Let's get right to it, shall we? So, I, again, um, I got a, an opportunity uh, to preach part of this message in Kenya, and I'd like, uh, I know God showed and used this, this kind of text to do a lot in my life, so I'd like to kind of share with, with you this morning exactly what that is. Thank you for the opportunity, again, just to come and share the Word of God with you. It's a tremendous privilege to me that I can just come and sit with you in front of God's Word and be transformed. My, my subject or my thesis today is the importance of faith. In Ephesians 2, 8, and 9, it says, For by grace are you saved through faith, not that of yourself. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Faith is how we access God's grace. You've probably heard it said maybe that um, grace is unmerited favor. It's getting something you don't deserve. It's, it's, it's completely opposite of works. See, my faith had a beginning. That was in October 11. Uh, two th- I'm sorry, October 2011. Forgot the first part there. Uh, I didn't grow up hearing about Jesus. I didn't grow up in church. But at the age of 27, I realized that I was a sinner in need of a Savior. A friend that I was a longtime friends with in college invited me to church. So it was then I heard about when my sins could be forgiven. I heard about uh, the offer of eternal life through the gospel of Jesus Christ. I heard that uh, if I would accept um, the Lord as my Savior, that, that the penalty of my sins could be washed away by his blood, just like we sang about. My faith started, and I was saved on that day. But our faith does not simply end to salvation. Oh, no, it's just beginning. Um, faith is required to continue to learn and grow in the knowledge and grace of the Lord. So faith is the key to pleasing the Lord. And we get that out of Hebrews 6.11. You'll hear this verse a lot today, so I pray it sinks into our heart. It says, but without faith, it's impossible to please him. We understand the importance of faith from this verse. It is impossible. That means absolutely no way, no how to please the Lord without faith. So that makes our subject today so important. So if you've got your Bibles with me, uh, if you've got a device with you, if you would, open up to Hebrews chapter 11. Um, that is the last book that Paul wrote in the New Testament there. I'll even turn there with you. How about that? Alrighty. I hope we all have the testimony of when our faith started. I think we can say we would love to please the Lord with our life, but pleasing the Lord with our life means, and it requires, that we uh, believe and obey what God says. Faith is believing what God has said and what God has promised. So today we're going to look at the importance of faith, and first we're going to see that it's by faith that we can only worship God. Next, we're going to see that it's by faith that we can walk with God. And lastly, it's faith that we can work for God. So all your, uh, I think, I don't remember what uh, Corey had last week. Maybe it was P's. I got, I got W's this week. So, um, so if you would with me, look at uh, Hebrews 4, Hebrews 11, starting in verse 4. Let's read all the way down to verse 7. By faith, Abel offered unto God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain by which he obtained witness that he was righteous, God testifying of his gifts, by it being dead yet speaketh. By faith Enoch was translated that he should not see death and was was not found because God has translated him. For before his translation he had this testimony, that he pleased God. Here's our verse, verse 6. But without faith it's impossible to please God, for he that cometh God must believe that he is, and he and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. By faith, Noah, being warned of God of things not yet seen, 
uh, I'm sorry, uh, of things not yet uh, seen, not as not yet. <laughs> Going to get it here. Here we go. Moved with fear, prepared an ark to the saving of his house, by the which he condemned the world and became heirs of righteousness, which is by faith. So let's look to the Lord in prayer as we, can, uh, as we start. Father, we do love you and praise you for Jesus. Thank you for the opportunity, again, just to, to, to be a student of your word and to, to hear what you would have to say to us and the important issue of faith. It's only by faith that we can consider these things. So, Father, I would ask you now that you work through me, and it's not of me, it's not of my flesh that could ever please you. Um, But I I do believe what you say, and what you say is that your spirit's the teacher and that your word transforms lives. So, Father, be with us now and be with me. I'm a man of, of weak flesh, of stumbling lips, so just use me, Lord. Father, we do love you and praise you. All these things we pray in Christ's name. Amen. So it's the first example we see is out of verse uh, 4. It's the example of Abel, and it's the worship of God. So verse 4 said, by, uh, by faith, Abel offered unto God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain. Y'all remember the story? No one? Okay. Let's, <laughs> I got two people. Both the pastors know it. Okay. So, so let me give you a quick recap. Uh, uh, both, uh, if the story from Genesis 4, there's two brothers, Cain and Abel. Uh, both brothers brought a sacrifice to God. Cain offered the fruit of the ground. Uh, Abel brought an animal of the flock. And if you remember back in Genesis 3, there was a fall, and that ground became cursed. So the, the problem was that Cain was offering something that was cursed to God, where Abel was offering in the pattern or the sacrifice that was given in Genesis 3.21. And the Lord didn't make them a coat of skins not these fig leaves that were fashioned in their own works. It was a more excellent sacrifice. We see that. God accepted one and rejected the other offering. We know the Lord accepted Abel's offering simply by the text that he called it a more excellent sacrifice. But what I want us to look at today is is how this points to our Lord Jesus Christ. Our Lord gave himself as a more excellent sacrifice for our sins. In John 1.29, we see that That Jesus Christ is the Lamb of God that was sacrificed for the sins of the world. There is no other sacrifice acceptable to God for sin, only the blood of Jesus Christ. We sang about that. The blood sacrifice was more excellent than any other bull and goat. You see, before that, man, that was only pointing to a bigger picture. The picture was Christ had to shed his blood for the remission of our sins. To be clear, salvation is always based on sacrifice. And it's only, it's, there's acceptable and unacceptable sacrifices. But we don't offer that sacrifice. We can only accept it. To be clear, to be perfectly clear, salvation by faith, not works. It's not communion. It's not church membership. It's not baptism. It's not any other work. It's simply by faith in the blood of Jesus Christ. So we can only offer a sacrifice to God after salvation. Just as Abel offer a sacrifice by faith, we must do the same. The Lord gave his body. You understand that? We must do the same. We see this out of Romans 12, 1, one of my favorite verses. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. We understand from this verse that it's our bodies we are called to give, which makes sense. Christ gave his body for salvation. Now we must give our bodies for service. Giving is a show or a form of our worship. Worship is giving something of high value. The example that is found in the life of David was was something that I was reading, I think it was yesterday morning, this morning, when I saw it, I was like, 
That's a key to worship right there. Uh, in 2 Samuel 24-24, uh, we see, if you remember the chapter, uh, David sinned before the Lord. He owned it, man. He, he said, uh, I've sinned before you. I've numbered the people. And in that, the Lord then commands him to worship. So in 2 Samuel 24-24, I know it's not in your notes, so you're going to have to write that reference down. It says, then the king, talking about David, said unto Aruna, it was the Jebusite that, that God told him to see. He said, nay. David said, nay. Surely I will buy it of thee at a price. Neither will I offer burnt offerings unto the Lord my God, of which cost me nothing. So David understood this principle, and we need to too, that if we're going to give and sacrifice to the Lord, it has to cost us something. He understood, David understood what was expected from sacrifice, that it had to come at a high cost. The cost for God was high. You understand it was his son. Why would, why would we expect that our sacrifice to him in light of his sacrifice would cost us nothing? So here's our key. Decide who your life will honor. Worship is defined. Okay, who would honor? Go in your blank. <laughs> I'm going to run right through these blanks here. Um, worship is defined maybe by a hard a- attitude and our response and obedience. This should be the focus of our life, honoring God. Who will we choose today to honor? Will we choose God in worship, or will we simply choose to honor ourselves and our flesh? See, your submission will determine who you honor and who you esteem and who you reverence. Are you willing to give sacrificially in worship? This is the question that each of us must consider as we worship. What cost are we willing to go? Again, going to Kenny makes a cost. Going for a month is a cost. Are you willing to to give that cost in worship to God? Do we offer what God is asking for? It's easy to offer something, again, in that example in, in 2 Samuel 24, David offered a burnt offering. He knew exactly what the Lord was asking for. What he didn't offer was anything else. He didn't just make it up. He had to do it by the word of the Lord. So consider today that by faith, presenting your body as a living sacrifice. If you're in discipleship, you should know this verse. 1 Corinthians 6, which teaches us that our body is filled with the Holy Spirit when we get saved. Then verse 20 says this, For ye are bought with a price. We talked about that price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. See, we are bought with a price. That price was God's blood on a cross. And because of that, we should all be willing to, to glorify God in our body. That is what he expects from each one of us here today. Will you offer it to him? God is worthy of our complete sacrifice. You can decide today to worship God by faith because without faith, it is impossible to please him. So next, let's look at Enoch and his walk with God. Walk goes in your blank. Um, We see this out of verse 5. It says, uh, by faith, Enoch was translated that he should not see death. So so the subject is Enoch. The interesting thing that I thought is, the Bible doesn't have a ton of stuff to say about Enoch. If you, if you put it in a glass, it wouldn't fill up a lot of content. But some, somehow, it, I've always kind of noticed this, what God says little about always comes at like a super high value. And Enoch is a very special, even though he's not contained in volume, he's an awesome special character in Scripture. We learn about Enoch in Genesis 5. It says that Enoch walked with God. So in Genesis 5.22, it says Enoch walked, with God after he begot Methuselah 300 years. And you skip down to verse 24. It says, Enoch walked with God, for he was not, for God took him. God said it twice. So if you're slow of hearing just like me, you're going to figure out when God repeats itself, it's not because he has a short memory. 
It's actually because he wants me and maybe you to understand that Enoch walked with God. If he says it twice, God must really want to catch my attention. So the scriptures say that Enoch was translated or raptured or caught up, that God took him. See, Enoch didn't see a natural death. God took him. Uh, That makes Enoch a very special person. Today we're going to focus on Enoch's fellowship with God because of his walk with God. It said that Enoch walked with God, which means he had a relationship with Christ, uh, with, with God. So not everybody in the Bible, it's not just guaranteed that if you're in the Bible that you had a walk with God, right? So we saw through the, uh, the picture of sacrifice of, of Abel, that pictured Christ's sacrifice. So Enoch, his fellowship also pictures the life of Christ. So let's look at that. Just as Enoch had a special fellowship, Christ has a special fellowship with God the Father as his only begotten son. That's exclusive to him. Like Enoch, Christ pleased God, as we read in Mark um, 1, verse 11, there, uh, there came a voice from heaven, speaking God the Father, saying, Thou art my beloved son, in whom I am well pleased. See, both Enoch and Christ had a special relationship with God the Father. That was a close relationship that pleased the Lord. We need to understand this from those two examples that we too have a special relationship with, with God through a spiritual birth, John 3. Through that birth that we are called the sons of God. We are his children. And because of that relationship, we can have a fellowship with God. Our walk can be our fellowship that pleases the Lord. So that's what we're going to focus on today. Just like, uh, just like Enoch walked by faith, and that's what pleased God, we, we learn out of 2 Corinthians 5, 7, that we walk by faith and not by fall, uh, sight, this is written by Paul in 2 Corinthians. Um, we must walk by faith if we are to, to please God. Faith is not trusting in what is seen, but what is believed through the word of God. Romans ten seventeen says this. So if faith come by hearing, then hear, and, and hearing by the word of God. So our faith is directly connected to the word of God, and it's by our hearing, which is interesting. I, I, I don't know who I stole this from. I'm bad for stealing and not giving credit. So if it was you, I apologize. How about that? Faith shuts the eyes of all that's seen and opens the ears to all that God has taught us. So faith operates on the promises of God's words over our experience. Our experience can teach us, but it's no substitute for the word of God. Our our culture can teach us, but it's no substitute for the word of God. Our feelings can inform us and teach us, but it's no substitute for the word of God. Those aren't bad things. Like none of those were bad but it's only entrusting what God says that we'll have faith. See, that is faith, entrusting in the beliefs and promises of God. When we, in the light of God's word, illuminate our walk, we're not subject to carnal reasoning, to carnal judgment, carnal excuses. We can walk blameless in holiness, and in holiness that pleases the Lord. So our key for you today, let's decide how we will walk. So how and walk go in your blank. Are we willing to walk by faith and not by sight? Uh, we must choose how where our life is going to be lived out. Are we going to choose to live by sight and have carnal reasonings and judgment? Or we will, will we choose to live by faith? The only way to please God, again, is to walk by faith. So I'll ask you this, kind of as a practical point. Do you have a daily altar? We're talking about fellowship, right? Do you have a, a special time and a special place that you get alone with God and just fellowship with God based on his word? You need to set up for yourself, again, all of us do, but all of us need a daily, uh, uh, daily altar that we can, we can be in fellowship with the Lord.
See, that is what we're called to do. We're called to walk by faith. And if you're in children's ministry, I hope this verse is really familiar. Second <laughs> um, Colossians 2, starting in verse 6. As you therefore receive Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk ye in him. So verse 6 says that as you receive the Lord. So I'll ask you, how did you really receive the Lord? Was it by sight? Was it by faith? Was it by hearing of the word? Or did you actually see something? If faith come by hearing and hearing by the word of God, that's how we receive Christ. So listen how, how Colossians 2 verse 7 continues. It says that you're uh, rooted and built up in him, established in the faith, as ye have been taught, abounding therein in thanksgiving. See, our walk must be rooted and built up in the person of Jesus Christ, but it also needs to be established. Established, that means unmovable, strong, prevailing, in faith, able to withstand every wind of doctrine. See, we get that strength from, from understanding what God says and what God informs us through his word. And it's through that faith that we can please God in our walk and in obedience to his word. When I look at this verse, always, I don't know why, but it always makes me think of a tree. So like the, the rooted and built up, that's like the roots that, that give you that strong, stable foundation, right? That provide life to the rest of the tree. But like, again, a tree is more than its, its roots. That thick trunk that, that spruits up, that gums up, man, when I think of it, that's the stuff that is established by faith. It's the things that are visible, that, that allow, it's like the trunks and limbs that can, a big storm comes and there's, there's still a tree there, that everything didn't break, right? So it's, it's by that faith that we can allow, uh, that will allow us to prevail in every circumstance, in every uh, condition, any, any kind of wind and, and wave that we hit, man, it's our faith that will keep us steady. So we must decide today to walk with God by faith because without faith, it's impossible please him. The last thing I got for us is, the, uh, is Noah, is the example of Noah, starting in verse 7. It's the work of God. So it says, by faith, Noah, being warned of God of things not yet uh, seen, not, I keep tripping this up, being warned of God of things not uh, seen as yet, moved with fear, prepared an ark to the saving of his house, um, by the which he condemned the world and became heirs of righteousness, which was by faith. Oh, which is uh, by faith. The verse says that Noah uh, was told of a coming flood. If you remember the story, it, it comes out of Genesis six, right? So there's a God informs Noah, hey, uh, it's going to rain and it's going to be a lot of rain. You probably should uh, build a boat. Uh, so he was told the flood, uh, the flood is coming and you need to build an ark. God gave Noah the plans to exactly how to build this ark. So Noah worked for years and years, obeying just as God has asked. So Noah worked by faith. That's exactly what the first said. Noah's faith brought fruit that glorified God, and Noah's faith was witnessed by others. So we saw how Abel's sacrifice pictured Christ. We also saw how Enoch's uh, fellowship pictured Christ and, and his walk. So let's look at the same thing through the, through the lens of Noah. Noah had a work that also pictured Christ's work. Christ's work was done just as God commanded. Christ finished his work on the cross for the payment of sin. That's kind of what we talked about earlier. So Christ said, it is finished in John 19.30. Just as, as Noah uh, saved his family through, the, through faith and building of an ark, God, uh, Christ saved his family through the work of his cross because it's through that cross that, that we are a child of God. So if you would with me, 
That is, again, that's the most, like, everybody knows the, the work on the cross, right? But I want to show you something else really quick. Uh, if you're in Hebrews 11, shove a finger there, and let's flip with me to John 17, verse 4. Everybody got a Bible? You can borrow mine if you need it. Just joking, you can't have my Bible. All right. All right. I'm there. Are you there? Can I get an amen? Is that a thing still? All right. Uh, so if we're, if we're in uh, John 17, let's look at verse 4. It says, I have glorified thee on earth. I have finished the work thou gavest me to do. Well, that's interesting. Um, if we did a, an ultra-quick survey of, of the book of John, um, there's like 20-something chapters in John, and this is chapter 17. Uh, so the work he's talking about is clearly not the cross, right? So he hasn't been, he hasn't been in crucified. He hasn't been in a, in a tomb. He hasn't risen. So we've got to ask ourselves as we, we kind of look at this verse. He said, I finished the work that was given me to do. He's still alive, and he hasn't died. So we've got to ask our question, what work is that? So if we kind of do more investigation in the threefold work in, in John 17, what we're going to find out, if you've got your Bible, take your finger, find the number six. Let's put our finger there. It says, I have manifested thy name unto the men which thou gavest me out of the world. Man, that manifesting God's name. It sounds like, like shouting from the mountaintops. It's like, it's like telling the masses, if you would. Man, manifesting God's name in the world, that's evangelism. So God said, huh, I finished the work. Okay, that's evangelism. Now, if, you're, if you keep going, let's go down two verses. Let's look at verse 8. For I have given unto them, talking about the disciples, that's the subject there, the, world's, the words which thou gavest me, and they have received them. So, man, giving people words and, and, and them receiving it, what does that sound a lot like? And that sounds a lot like discipleship, doesn't it? Christ gave the disciples the words, and they received them. Man, that's, that's what we do here, man, from the pulpit for in, in discipleship. That's building or edifying the saints. And the last part of that work is, is down in, in verse 18. Thou sent me into the world, even so have I sent them into the world. So if we got evangelism, we got discipleship, and now that local context is going to be transplanted. Man, that, that sounds like missions, right? So that threefold work... That, that missional church planning of evangelism and discipleship was the same work that Christ said in, in, in verse 4 that, that God gave him and he finished. So if that's Christ's work, that same work is actually given to us. So let's, let's look to Matthew um, 28, verses 19. This, again, familiar passage, but we're going to see a different aspect of it here. Um. Verse 19 says, Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the world. Amen. So it's a little different. I, I want to, again, a little different in the fact that Christ was telling about the work he did. But this one's different in the fact that he's actually commanding people to do it. So... So we've got to make note of this because this is a command and it's intended by the audience with obedience. So we're supposed to hear this and not as a suggestion, but as a command. God has called us to go and tell the world about Christ and his free gift of eternal life. That's evangelism. God called each of us to teach all the commandments to other believers. That's discipleship. 
God is very clear on what he asks us to do. He doesn't mince words. He's not uh, nebulous. He tells us exactly what we need to do. So we need to decide if we will obey and complete his work, or do we not decide to disobey and to not labor? So it's a simple, what are we going to do? And Cody, two weeks ago, I think, like it's no secret as we're looking at the context of worship and singing, man, you just got to make up your mind and do it. So work produces fruit, and this is kind of the last point I want us to see. Work produces fruit, and fruit only comes with work. Anybody here garden? There's my gardeners. Okay, I need, we need to talk afterwards. I need some fruit. Uh, just joking. Uh, if anybody gardens, if you farm at all, what you have to understand is, man, you're going to till the ground, you're going to plant the seed, you're going to water it, and then, and only then, maybe you get fruit. See, if you don't do that stuff, you don't get fruit. It, it's logical when you think of it as a physical context that if you don't work, you don't get the fruit. That's what it takes to get physical fruit. But what does it take to get spiritual fruit? Man, that's, that's evangelism and discipleship. And the interesting thing is in John 15, 8, it says, Herein is my Father glorified, that ye bear much fruit. So shall ye be my disciples. This verse teaches us that a disciple is more than just a title given to any believer in Christ. That a disciple is actually qualified by fruitful labor. We see this as a, a mark as a disciple of Christ that is bearing much fruit. So let us judge ourselves based on what we heard just now. Are we believers? Are we fruit-bearing disciples? From this verse, we understand that God is glorified only when we bear fruit. It's, first, it's, it's straightforward. It's right there. Herein is my Father glorified. And it's, if you bear fruit, that's it. We, we want another way because to that, man, that takes, again, it takes sacrifice. It takes, it takes walking in fellowship with, with the Lord. Man, and work is hard. If you have a garden, again, you know the hours that you put into it. But if we don't work, we don't bear fruit. And if we don't bear fruit, God is not glorified in our lives. What's more important to you than God's glory? I hope that, that you would say that there's nothing in my life that, that is more important than God getting glory from my life. What we got to understand, and I hope you agree with me, is that God is worthy of all glory. That he is the maker, creator, stainer. He, it's by him that all things consist. He is God, and it's only through him that we have life. So I charge you today that if he is your life giver, why don't you live for him? So let's look at our last key. Decide if your life will yield fruit. Are we willing to work as we are commanded? Choose today to work for the glory of God. Tell people about Jesus. Teach people about Jesus. Let today be the day that you put a stake in the ground and you decide, my life is going to bear glory by the grace of God and for his glory. If you love the Lord, live for the Lord. You must decide to work by faith because without faith it is impossible to please him. So I have two takeaways on the bottom of your sheet, but I'm, I'm going to give you three just because uh, y'all been so nice to me. Uh, so let's, let's look at the first takeaway. Uh, first one is faithful worship, a faithful walk, and a faithful work is based in the word of God. I hope you caught this theme throughout the whole time. But we got to understand that acceptable worship must be done as the Lord commanded. God says that we must worship in spirit. That's a hard attitude. But in that same verse, he says, and 
and in truth. That's according to his word. Anything done without reverence and in, the in, in disobedience is vanity. And vain worship is will worship. That's what we saw in the life of Cain. Let's, let's not let that be in our life. A faithful walk will always be according to the word of God. Amos 3.3 3 says, Who can walk together except they, except they be agreed? If we desire to walk with God, we must agree with God over his word. Uh, without humility and obedience in our walk, we will have a walk that is right in our own eyes. See, there is a course of this world, and you can walk according to the course of that world. And if you choose to walk in that course, that's, that's away from the Lord. A walk that relies on, on sight and man's wisdom is not a, a walk of faith. We can't have fellowship with the world and with God. It doesn't work that way. We can't straddle the fence. Two, these are two different paths going in two different directions. So let's take today and be obedient to as God directs, we walk. Faithful labor. Faithful labor will bring God's glory as we choose to follow in obedience to his commandments. Our example was Noah, remember? He received precise instructions on how to build. And Christ set the example. Um, and in his commandments, we should just labor doing the same thing as Christ did. So as, as, as Christ lived and ministered, for his namesake, we should do the same things we, he did. Stands to reason, right? If we labor outside of investing in the word of God in evangelism and discipleship, evangelism and discipleship, we're going to labor in vain. That's our problem. So second takeaway or whatever, um, our faith must be upward in worship, inward in our walk, and outward in our work. See, faith and worship means that our worship is upward, that our eyes are drawn up to the Lord, that our one affection is set on his throne. Our, our worship is reserved for God, and he is so worthy. Looking up to the Lord should be the focus of our life. Our faith and our walk means that our walk is inward. Our walk is led by the Spirit of God that's within us. We learned that in 1 Corinthians 6. It's the Spirit of God that, that leads our walk, but we have to understand that the Spirit of God always agrees with the Word of God. Uh, that our walk should be an inward walk of personal holiness and personal fellowship with the Lord. We need to walk holy as he is holy. Faith in our work means that our work is, is outward. Our work is to manifest to the world the word of God in evangelism and discipleship. If you're sick of hearing it, sorry, but it's that important that I can repeat it all day. Looking to the Lord for fruit, uh, to be fruitful in our lives to bring God glory. So what if we get this mixed up? What happens if it, uh, our upward becomes our outward, our inward becomes our, our upward? What happens if we get this turned around, right? Well, if we get these turned around, our worship might look like worshiping out towards man or inward towards self. If we get these mixed up, our walk might be an outward thing to show the world. If we get these mixed up, our work becomes inward for our glory. God forbid. So our faith is upward, inward and outward. Our worship and our walk and our work. So this means if we do this, if we keep this prescription, if we, if we use this as an example to set to our life, what this means is that our hearts will be fixed on God, our feet will be pointed with God and towards God, and our hands will be busy with the work of God. That's a life full of faith. That's a life that pleases God by faith. 
My last takeaway that you get free today, um, if you've got a backside of the page, you can scribble this one down, is um, take notice of the order. Again, God is anything but arbitrary or random when he, when he prescribes. And there's a, again, we started at verse 4 and went to verse 7, and we went to a specific order because that's how God has it. So let's notice the order that God records these men. He starts with worship, and then a work, uh, and then a walk, help me, and then a work. The order's important. What starts in worship builds to a right walk. And then with the right walk and right worship, we get the ability to work. This is why the discipleship goals, if you go to the front of that binder, are built like that. The, the material follows a progression because that is the pattern that God set. Our work is dependent on our worship and our walk. The problem is if you start taking out these legs, you'll never have a fruitful work. And you'll never have a walk if you don't have your worship right. So the order is so important. So as we kind of wind this thing down, how does this apply to us? So I'd ask you to consider three things as we kind of maintain a spirit of prayer. Just let's examine ourselves. Again, we heard a lot. I know I went rapid fire, but let's just take a minute, slow it all down and figure out exactly how the Lord would use this text, use this outline in our lives. First, we saw the example of Cain and Abel. God rejects some offerings and accepts others. Sacrifice must be given at a cost and sacrifices must be given by faith. So I'd ask you today, have you given your body as a living sacrifice? Is your worship based on the blood of Christ? Is, is your worship done with, in spirit and in truth? God ha- is very specific in what he asked for. Are we giving him what he asked for? Are we honoring the Lord in our worship? Are we esteeming the Lord in our worship? Second, we saw the importance of a walk that pleases God. Enoch had this testimony says that he pleased God. Would you have this same testimony? From your worship, does that blend, does that work into a walk where you have the testimony that you please God? Does your walk please God? This starts at salvation. Your walk starts, but, but it doesn't end there. That's what we said. Are you still trusting God to guide your steps by faith each day? Have you started walking by sight? Are you using a carnal mind? Are we relying on the word of God? If we're right with the Lord in fellowship, we need to be walking and agreeing with God in his word. And the last thing that we saw was the example of Noah and the work that God called us to do. And this work must be done by faith. We see this example of Noah as he built an ark. People could witness Noah's faith. Can people see your faith? Does your faith manifest in fruitful work that glorifies God? Is your faith lived out that people can see you trusting God step by step? We know that fruit only comes with work. What is your work? Is there fruit in your work? Is God getting glory in your life? Hebrews 11.6, without faith it's impossible to please him. It's more than being convicted. Because, man, you can get convicted each and every Sunday here. But we need to more than convicted, we need to leave committed. We need, to, we need to get committed and get consecrated to a life of worship, a life of fellowship, and a life laboring in the field to God's glory. Thank you for your time. I, I do appreciate your attentiveness. I, thank you for the opportunity to share God's word. This was an encouragement to me. 
Uh, I hope it was to you. So let me pray, and uh, we can. I'll turn it back over to Jay. Father, we do love you and praise you for Jesus. Thank you. Thank you for, for the ability to worship you through the blood of Jesus Christ, that, that we can have a relationship that we would say that we are the child of God. Father, I pray that each and one of us here considers our, our worship to you and that we're esteeming you higher than everything and anything in our life. I pray for each of our walks. I pray it's done by faith, that it's according to your word. But I pray that it's, it's a fellowship on a daily altar that we just commune with you over your word and prayer, that we desire to be close to you in holiness. Father, I pray for each of our work. I pray that we're, we're abounding, abounding fruit to your glory. I pray that we're taking what is faithfully given to us and putting it out in, in the ministry of evangelism and discipleship. Father, just thank you. Thank you for, for the ability that we get to work in, in your field. It's your strength. It's your power that we can do all these things. And it's your word that has the power to transform lives. So, Father, I just thank you for the time. Thank you for, for the blood of Jesus. We love you and praise you for all these things. Amen. Amen. That's a good word. Man, it, so this is not the, you know, customary re-preach at all. I would, uh, it, is the, it is the time to be convicted and then get consecrated. You know, I, I think about that offering that Colin talked about. God accepts some offerings and rejects others. You know, if you study the Old Testament offerings, God didn't want maimed animals being brought as a sacrifice. He wanted something that was holy, that was pure, that was clean. And man, for some of us, we really need to consider what we're offering to God. We might even say, yeah, I'm offering my body to God. Let me ask you a question. Is it holy? Is it holy as he is holy? Is it, a, is it an offering worthy to bring to God Almighty? And if not, why not? And, and the key for us, I think, is, man, we, we won't ever have a right walk with God until we surrender our life completely to God. And, and the thing I've learned the last two weeks is that Christians in Kenya are the same as Christians in America. That, man, we can get really good at coming to church. We can get really good at the language. We can get really good at singing and being loud and raising hands and dropping money and all the different things. But, man, God is looking for an acceptable sacrifice. And he's the pattern. And he gave it all. And, man, for us to not give our life back to Christ, which he purchased with his own blood, that's not acceptable. And no measure of religion in our life can overcome the fact that that's not acceptable. Amen? Man, let, let's, not, let's not by faith respond to what God's word told us today. Man, let's not walk out of here without considering, man, is my life really acceptable in God's eyes? Because it's complete. God has all of my life, every part of it. The key to that is when we do that, that's the only thing that allows us to have a right walk with him. And Ben, I don't know if you caught it or not, but, but God gave us the answer this morning. 
Some of us struggle in our walk because we still haven't offered our, our worship. And we try to supplement it through Bible reading and, and discipleship, and, and we can take good notes, and we can take classes, and we can do all these different things, but the truth is our heart of worship is not there. We haven't given our life to Christ. We're saved, but man, we haven't surrendered. And because of that, we don't have a right walk. And it's not a walk by faith. It's, it's a walk that looks right maybe on the outside to other people. But man, God knows. God knows. When you have a right walk, it pleases God. That's only because you have a right worship of God. And as we work through that, the reality is, if we don't have those two things in place, whatever work we're doing is irrelevant because it's not the right work. Even if it is the work of evangelism and discipleship and missions, if it's not based on a life of worship and a right walk with God, it's of no avail. And the truth is, people see it. Noah built an ark, and everybody saw it. The lost saw it. Those in his own family saw it. The body of evidence of his walk with God and worship of God resulted in a work for God that was manifest to everyone It was visible. Man, that was a good word, brother. So the question for us is, look, are we, are we really completely consecrated to God? Does God have our life holy? And if the answer to that question is no, then today we need to do business. Today we need to offer ourselves afresh and anew and make a commitment to be holy people that God can use for his glory's sake because it's all about him. It's not about my glory. It's not about Colin's glory. It's not about our church's glory. It's all about Christ. So where are you today? Where are you? Do you have a right worship of God? Do you have a right walk with God? And I'm not talking about a walk in your mind that you've made up somehow, fabricated a fake Christianity, fake religion, a genuine biblical walk according to the Word of God. If you don't have that, then come to the Lord and repent because that's what pleases God. We need to be a holy people, church. We need to be holy so God can use us, so God can be glorified in and through our life. But many times, I think just like in the Old Testament, we are satisfactory bringing God less than what he deserves because it's more about our glory than him. Colin didn't preach this. I was hoping he would, but he didn't get to verse 8. In verse 8, it talks about a man named Abraham. And the Bible says that Abraham, by faith, when he was called to go out unto a place which he should have to receive for an inheritance, obeyed and went out, not knowing whither he went. You see, a right worship and a right walk and a right work will make you and me a wanderer. All of a sudden, you won't set roots in this world and the things of this world and be consumed with the culture of American Christianity or the American dream. You'll actually just obey God to go out wherever he calls. But the reason that we won't have people that surrender their life for a short-term mission trip or for the rest of their life to be used by God is because we truly aren't worshipers. We truly don't have a right walk with God. And the truth is, we don't have a work that glorifies God. 
You see how it all builds? Man, we, we have to get this. <laughs> so let's just bow our heads and pray because I believe God has something for every one of us today. God certainly has something for me. Father, we need you this morning, God. I know we're, we're at the time limit, but God, you're not bound by time. I'm thankful for that. You're eternal. So, so in the moment, God, we've heard your word. For some of us, we have to look at our life and, and consider, are you receiving a, a true sacrifice from our life? Are we a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is reasonable? And if we aren't, God, would you prick our heart with your Holy Spirit? Your word has already done the work. Father, would we repent so that you receive all of us because you gave all of you to redeem us from our sin? Father, help us to walk with you and desire to have a right relationship with you through your word, not based on religion, not based on, on, on some kind of facade that we're trying to put on, that we seem like we're religious people or, or Baptist people. God, strip away all those things and help us to have a right walk with you that pleases you, according to your word. And Father, we look forward to the day, God, that like Enoch, God, we may be alive and you may take us. And, and when you take us, Lord, would we be found pleasing in your eyes? God, for some of us, we need to get to work. And maybe we have a right worship and we have a right walk with you, but the truth is our hands haven't been laboring. God, we haven't been about the ministry of evangelism and discipleship. God, would you forgive us? And would you restore us and, and, and help us to be focused afresh and, and anew on your mission for our life? With our heads bowed and eyes closed, maybe you're here this morning 